Good morning. Good morning and uh, happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the room. Uh, yes, amen. It's a beautiful day. It's a great day. And, uh, and I got a message today. And I, you know, it, it, I was inspired uh, last week. Before any of the events of uh, this week, and I, I began to think about it, meditate on a a passage of scripture, and and then it just seemed that things that occurred here in our own country, they just, they they really relate. uh, What this scripture has to say applies across our entire nation today, and uh, so I think just God was lining things up well before any events happened. And uh, so I I just hope it uh, resonates with you this morning. I want to begin with uh, Genesis, the account of creation, God's creating power from nothing to everything, to everything, The, the, the heavens, the earth, the universe, all that we see, all. And that includes us. That includes us, human beings. We were created. The, the first two chapters of our Bible give us the account of creation. Chapter one, it gives the creation account and it, it depicts God. It describes God mostly as transcendent. And in other words, what, what that means is God is invisible, he is all-powerful, he is all-knowing, he is the God of heaven, he's over everything in the entire universe, he's beyond our capacity to understand and comprehend, and he, he spoke the universe into existence. This is what Genesis chapter 1 tells us. Genesis chapter 1, verses 3, 6, 9, 11, 14, they all begin this way. And God said, let, let, let something. And that something that God said, let, it occurred, it happened. This is the huge, the powerful, the the God way above us all, the transcendent God. And then at at the, the, the close of Genesis chapter 1, this Transcendent God spoke and he created humankind. And I want to read that to you, Genesis chapter 1. This is verses 26 through 28. And we have the same phrase again. Then God said. Then God said. God spoke. Everybody speak. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So there is the the account 
of us, humans being created by God, Genesis chapter one. But then Genesis chapter two, it, it recounts creation. And it gives a creation account focusing mostly on what chapter one would call day number six. And in chapter two, God is depicted a little differently, not so much transcendent, but much more imminent. And, and that means that God is not so distant. God's close, he's near, and, and God's approachable. This is the imminence of God. He's relational. God's creation of man and woman in Genesis chapter two, it's, it's not described as, as just God speaking, but forming, shaping this man out of the dust of the ground. Like a potter would take a lump of clay and begin to shape it and form it. And then God breathed into this clay and it became life. And I want to look at that account. So this is Genesis chapter two and it's verse number seven and then verses 20 through 24. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. But for Adam... No suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. So here's a different view of creation, and yet it it describes, if we put chapter one and chapter two together, it it describes for us and gives us the account and, and the record of how the world came and how everything in it came to be. That's not all. That's not all. Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, are, they're way beyond just that God created. It, it doesn't just reveal to us how everything happened and came to be. These two chapters of the Bible also reveal to us God, that he is indeed all-powerful and all-knowing above everything in the entire universe. Huge. Beyond our comprehension. But yet... Yet God's presence, his presence was with the man and with the woman that he created. He was involved. He was involved of very deeply informing them and then ordaining their lives on, on earth. God designed us. This is, this, is, this is what we're being told and taught in these chapters too. God designed us. We are his creatures, created in his image, relational beings. God devised and he ordered family and he designed marriage and the bearing of children. This was the design of God. God said, be fruitful, increase in number. And and that fruitfulness, that increasing in number, it was first recorded in the open of Genesis chapter four. Genesis chapter four, verse one, 
it, it says that the woman conceived and she gave birth to a son and named him Cain, increasing in number. This was God's design. It was God's plan. And it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing, an amazing design that God uh, came up with. The woman carries a child conceived through the joining of a man and a woman. And then she births the child and she becomes a mother. Genesis chapter 3, verse 20, it, it speaks to this. It says, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. And Eve means life or living. So this is what Adam was saying. Eve, you will become the mother of all living. Your, your name means living. And Eve was the first mother and, and thus became the mother of all living. And that's one thing, you know, we, we all share in common. It's one thing that we, regardless of who we are, where we came from, we all have something in common, and that is we all have a mother. Now, now whether our mother was good uh, or bad, whether you knew your mother or whether you didn't know her, uh, we all have a mother. You, maybe you had a good mother like Moses, uh, Moses' mother, Jacobed, uh, she, she loved him and she made a plan for his life to be spared and she, she took care of him and the plan that she devised saw to it that he was cared for his entire life. And you can read about her, Exodus chapter one and two. But, but maybe you had a bad mother and King Ahaziah, he had a bad mother. Her name was Adelaia and she was evil. And you can read about her in Second Chronicles chapter 22. So, you know, whether we had a good mom, a bad mom, whether we knew her or not, the fact is we all had a mother. And that's the design of God. That was his design. And now this week in our country, it's been highlighted. It's been highlighted just how many people absolutely snub the design of God. They, they uh, just, they have nothing but disdain for God's design for motherhood. And so many have rejected him just outright and they've rejected his design to be fruitful. And since this past Tuesday, there have just been, there, there have been protests and things across the nation because a draft of an opinion in the Supreme Court about a decision, uh, a majority Supreme Court decision, it's been leaked. And so there's been protests across the country at the Supreme Court building, even at the homes of the Supreme Court justices. There, there is a group that's so angry. They're so full of rage. They, they have threatened to disrupt church services today. Today. And why? Why is this? Why all this anger and rage? Why? Well, they're anti-Eve. They're anti-mother. They're anti-life. And they've rejected God's design. They've rejected his plan. And it's been his plan, his plan. Every single one of us, from the moment we were conceived in our mother's womb, God already ordained our life. He already ordained it. God saw us. 
He saw us then. He saw us at that very moment. He ordained our life and we're valuable. We're valuable in his eyes. And I want us to consider uh, Psalm 139. And this, this was what I was inspired to read and begin to meditate on last week. And this is a psalm of the great King David where he reflects on the transcendent God. God's awesome. He's majestic. He's all-knowing. He is all-seeing. He's all-powerful. He's, he's just amazing. And then David also, in this psalm, he reflects on the eminence of God, that God's with David and his presence and is with him wherever he goes. If he goes to sleep, lies down, wherever he wakes up, God is with him and God protects him. And so David, he, he reflects on this and David meditates on God's ways. And so this transcendent and imminent God is the God of life. And, and Psalm 139 just it describes it and it states it and it reiterates it and repeats it. And I want to read to you uh, the first 18 verses of Psalm 139. They're beautiful. They're, a, they're really just, this is a glorious psalm. Yeah, so if, if you have your Bible or your device, Psalm 139, this is verses 1 through 18. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will Become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. And, and I stop here and just say that's, this is just like a poetic reference to, to us humans. You know, we're, we're clay vessels, earthen vessels. And David referencing just, uh, you know, coming together inside of his mother. And, and, and that's this poetic reference to that. Verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. 
This, this is just amazing. It's beautiful. It, 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 it's such a, a glorious description of, of God and, and us and how we were created. King David created a man, a human, and he was born like every single one of us were, and he had a mother like all of us did. And what he said of God and what he said of life, it's applicable to all of us. It's applicable to all people, men and women, boys and girls. It's applicable to everyone. He created you. God created you. He created your innermost being. He created your ever-living soul. And he made you who you are. God he created your personality, your quirks and idiosyncrasies, and we've all got them. Lord knows I got my quirks. He knew them. We all have our peculiarities, our uniqueness. They're created by God. He knit us together in our mother's womb. That's such a beautiful line. Can you see the image? Can you see the picture? David puts this picture before us of God weaving us together. That, that is, God formed us. He gave us our individuality, our uniqueness, our very own DNA. And, and I know you might say, well, twins, you know, identical twins, identical triplets. They all, they, they share the same DNA. Yes, they do, but still, they are unique people. They are not the same people. Even though they share that DNA, they all have their own dispositions and their temperaments and their personas they're unique. God created every single one of us unique. No one's precisely the same. God defined our innermost being. He did that for all of us. We didn't become who we are on the day that we were born. No, no, it was long before. David wrote, your eyes saw my unformed body. Let that sink in. That's amazing. You know, in other words, God was aware and he was involved. This is this, this is this imminent God. He was aware and he was involved with you. Even at that very moment you were conceived, you had value and you had worth to God, your creator at that instant. He was aware of you and cared for you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God ordained every single day of your life, even before you lived one of them. He knows Every moment. No wonder David wrote, he, he stopped there at, at verse five and he wrote, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. He couldn't wrap his mind around it. None of us can. And it was not just King David who professed such things. And that's why I say it's applicable to, to all of us because others in the Bible express this very same thing. The the word of the Lord to Jeremiah, the prophet, it, it was before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Job, who, who was the man of sorrows, he, even in his sorrows, he said, your hands, God, shaped me and made me. You clothed me with skin and flesh and you knit me together with bones and sinews. You gave me life. This, this is reiterated it's repeated throughout scripture God's the giver of life he's the author of life he knew us before we even took a breath and that's applicable to all that God gave life 
but so many deny it. So many are, are against it. So many reject God and deny the author of life. They will not acknowledge any life giver whatsoever. So many have become anti-life and they're angry and they're, they are fomenting and they're lashing out. And we've seen it this week, really heightened, threatening to dis- disrupt churches. Why? Because we worship the God of life. And so they have no peace. They want to they come in and, and, and protest. And you know, they will... They're not going to have peace. They'll never have peace. No one who is, who is this angry and fomenting, they're not going to have peace until they come to terms with life, the God of life who is aware and he sees it all. And there's no running from him. David wrote about that. There's, you can't go far enough from God. David said, if I'm in the depths, I'm in the pit. It's not far enough. God, you're right there with me. There's no hiding in the dark. Can't hide in the dark. God sees. You know, people will seek the darkness, but God, to him, it shines like the day. And so even though they deny God, it's not going to change the fact, the very fact that he gave them life. He created them. He gave them life. People can deny that. They can reject it. It doesn't change it. He gave them life. And if they have nothing to do with him, they deny him. They're separated, separated from him. And they'll remain separated. They'll remain separated forever. Unless, unless, unless they receive life, true life. And it can be received. Even though they deny and reject and kick back and kick against the God of life, the Lord of life, you know what? He still values them, every single one, despite the anger, despite the rage, despite the the denial. God values every single one. God has extended his love, his amazing love, and his grace. He's extended it with this wonderful invitation to receive peace for all that anger and for all that rage and angst. There's a new life available right now. And and even more, the God of life, he doesn't just extend an invitation for life here and now. No, no. But to receive eternal life, that's life forever. God desires to be reconciled with those who have separated from him, from those who have rejected him. He desires this reconciliation, and that's beautiful. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's hard to comprehend. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. That it's his design. God doesn't desire for anyone to be separated from him. He wants all to turn to him and recognize him as the author and giver of life. He desires it so much. He desires it so much that he sent messengers over and over again. Messengers who were despised, messengers who were persecuted, even though God sent them to say, hey, this, here, here's the message of life. Well, then God sent a very, very special messenger. God himself 
He sent his son to this earth, a son who was conceived, just like we all were conceived in a woman. He was born like we all were. He had a mom, a mother who carried him, brought him to term. And his name was Jesus. And he too brought this message of reconciliation. He brought this message of life. He is life. But Jesus too, he was despised and he was rejected. The anger and the rage of the anti-life rejectors of God in Jesus' day, they had him eliminated. That's how angry they were. That's how anti-life they were. And this is how God expressed his deep and his abiding love for those who kick against him and reject him and would go to such lengths to prove it. He loved them. He loved them. And he expressed that their rejection, it's going to bring an everlasting consequence, but the consequence can be avoided. It can be forgiven. This is the unfailing love of God. God will receive as the consequence for rejecting him. He'll receive the suffering that Jesus experienced instead. This is how much God loves, that he, he's willing to pardon even the vilest, the vilest of those who denied him and those who have rejected him. And, and he's not going to repay them with rejection and punishment, but instead he's going to uh, ascribe the suffering of Jesus Christ as their just punishment. I, I, I mean, that's amazing. You, no, no, you don't have to. You, you, you don't get punished. Look, it happened over here. Just, just receive it. Just accept it. This is divine love. This is amazing love, and it's open to all. But it necessitates a turning, and it necessitates an accepting. And it's, it's a turning from that denial that God is the author of life. You've got to turn from that and, and admit he's the author of life and accept Jesus, the winner and the giver of life. And I know so many of you have come to that here, but if you have not, if you have not come to that, know this, know this, you were created by God. God created you. He formed you. He shaped you. You were woven together in your mother's womb, just like, like an artist who who paints on a canvas, God designed you like a potter who shapes clay. God formed you and he values you. He valued you from that instant that you were conceived even before, before your mother knew that you had even been conceived. God was involved in your life and he, he was molding and forming you before you entered the world, before you drew your first breath. God saw you as you were right then, and he saw who you would become. Again, just you know, like an artist who's got a blank canvas and can already see the done picture just while that, that blank canvas is there. On this Mother's Day, have you received life, true life, eternal life? This is Jesus' life. And if you haven't received him, I, I'm gonna just say consider doing so. Consider yielding 
what you call life, which is destined to end, consider yielding that life to Jesus and you will receive true everlasting life. You'll be reconnected, reconciled with the giver of, of real life and he's waiting, he's waiting even as you might be denying him, even as you might be denying his very existence, the one who formed you and gave you life is waiting. Uh, the potter, the artist, he's waiting patiently, holding out to you this invitation to eternal life. If it's never sunk into you, it's the truth. It is the truth. And God loves you and he wants to be reconciled with you. And if you've never really seen that and, and you've considered it, I just want to pray with you and for you today as we bring this service to a close. Lord, if there's anyone in this room, anyone joining us online, God, that is, is coming to this and realizing you created us. We aren't in charge. You are. And you are huge and powerful, and yet you're personal and relational. And you sent your son to die in our place because of our rejection of you. And you receive his punishment for our, our rejection of you, for our crime. Thank you, God, for anyone who's come into that knowledge, that, uh, that, that work in their soul and their spirit right now. God, I pray as they turn to you, your, your unfailing, abiding love would just flow into them. Lord, wash over them. Oh, let it be such a renewal that they know life and true life has been attained and they receive it today. God, and I pray that there's a turning, a turning away from all that rejection and, and all that rage and anger against you to see you as the loving one who's created and values them. Thank you for that, God. And I just pray anyone here or online receiving you today, God, that you would just make it tangible. Be that imminent, God, to them right now, I pray. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Lord, thank you for your hand. Thank you that you are the artist and the potter of our life and you gave us life and we are who we are because of you and we're grateful we thank you, God. Bless us as we go. Bless everyone in this house. Bless everyone who's, who's joining us, God. And bless, bless all, all the mothers, Lord, too. And we just ask that your grace would go with us and be with us. And as, as David wrote, hem us in, God, in front of us and behind us. Keep us and watch over us till we return again. And we thank you in Jesus' holy and his precious name. Amen. Amen.